This is Geek 4, a podcast about fans, fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce. Everyone likes something, but what are you a geek for? Today's episode of Geek 4 is going to be a little different. Instead of an interview with someone about the things that they're passionate about, or an audio essay from me about something I like, Today's episode is me answering some of your questions about my fandoms. I put the call out on social media a few weeks ago, and I got some really good questions. Some of them are much bigger than I think I can tackle here by myself, and so they'll probably become the focus of future episodes. So let's begin. How did you become a film prof, and what's your journey? All right, let's start with the autobiographical. I'm a professor of English Literature and Film Studies at Booth University College, a small liberal arts university in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Because of our size, I get to teach a wide variety of courses. I love it. Everything from Victorian literature, major surveys of historical periods, the Inklings, science fiction, television studies, and a wide variety of film studies courses. I wouldn't get that flexibility at a larger institution. My path to becoming an English and film studies prof was not a straightforward one. I didn't start off in university wanting to be a professor. I actually wanted to be an archaeologist. After about a month, though, I realized I probably wasn't going to be Indiana Jones, and so I switched to English literature. I'd always loved English. I was taking the course anyways. I had some amazing high school teachers who fostered a love of stories and narratives and the way we communicate, and so it was a natural fit. I did really well, and because of the encouragement of some amazing professors, I applied for grad school. After completing my master's degree, I applied for some PhD programs. That's how I ended up at the University of Manitoba. Not many people know this, but when I started in my PhD program, I was actually looking at medieval literature. Uh, I was going to write a dissertation on this weird old poem called Piers Plowman. Looking back on it, I think I've always been worried that if I made film, the focus of my scholarship, my work, I would somehow kill my love of it. And I didn't want to do that. I've loved film since before I can remember. In high school, I developed this deep appreciation of classical films. If I went to the video store with my high school friends, there was a good chance that one of them would pick me up and carry me out of the store because I'd been in there so long. It wasn't until I met the man who had become my advisor, George Tolles, that I realized that you could love something it be work, and you could still maintain a passion for it. George has this absolutely infectious love of movies. George made me realize that I could love something, make it the focus of my scholarship, and maintain my love. I came up with a new dissertation topic, post-war British cinema. I wrote on The Third Man, the Ealing comedies. I wrote on the movie Scrooge, the version of Christmas Carol with Alistair Sims, which I may have seen more than any other movie. I watch it every single year. And I can still watch it every single year, even having written about it. When I was finished my PhD, I was incredibly lucky, very fortuitously, Booth University College, which was a place I had been teaching as a sessional, decided to expand their program offerings and needed somebody to develop an English and film studies program. I jumped at the opportunity, and the rest, as they say, is history. 
Currently, I'm in academic administration, which means that I'm supervising other academics. So I'm not in the classroom as much as I normally would be or would like to be. But still, I teach as much as I can, courses on the Inklings, an occasional film course, or the capstone course for our humanities students. I love teaching. It's one of the great joys of my life. I truly believe I was called to be a teacher. Is there something that took you time to get into? This is a really interesting question. So, and the answer to this is a little long, so, so please bear with me. Doctor Who took me about 30 years to get into. I have a very long and complicated history with Doctor Who. Growing up in Oshawa, Ontario, Canada, there, was, there is a channel called TV Ontario. Now, if you're not from Ontario, you might not understand what this channel is. It's kind of like public television, like, like PBS in the States, but not quite. In the 1970s, when it started, it had a real education focus. So there were lots of kid shows, weird kid shows that were, you know, set out to teach kids spelling and reading and math. And uh, a lot of these shows had like grotesque puppets of footwear. Uh, there was one show with a guy in a kangaroo costume for some reason that taught us math. Very weird. There was a show that ran daily at 5.30 called The Polka Dot Door. So I'm talking like I'm four or five years old at this point. The Polka Dot Door, for people who don't know, uh, and I give this context only to juxtapose it with the horrific image that comes next, was a show in which two human hosts spoke to, spoke for, four stuffed animals. There was also a character called the Pokeroo where one human would leave and suddenly the Pokeroo would show up and it was obviously the human host in a costume. You know, every day was a different day. Story day, uh, imagination day, dress up day, whatever. At six o'clock, when the polka dot door ended, it transitioned to Doctor Who. And I can't tell you the terror I was filled with with that theme song. And because it was sort of public access, there were no there were no commercials. It was basically the end of the polka dot door, station identification, and then Doctor Who. The polka dot door, the polka dot door. See you soon at the polka dot door for songs and stories and so much more. Through the polka dot door. This is TV Ontario, Channel 19 in Toronto, Channel 19 in Sudbury. So I was always fascinated by this thing that terrified me. As I got a little older and started to get into some British TV shows and, and, and start to become a bit of an Anglophile, I realized just what it was I was missing. And by that point, I, I think TV Ontario had taken Doctor Who off. I, I don't remember how long it ran for. Um, I, I stopped watching Polka Dot Door, you know, in my late teens, obviously. There was always this fascination as it was something I should have liked. And then when the, the reboot started, I didn't really get into that. Um, I was kind of mildly curious, but I was in the midst of a PhD and didn't have a lot of extra time. 
So it wasn't actually until I, I found a little bit of extra time that I started watching it and really got into it. And now I would say Doctor Who is is a very significant fandom of mine. So 30 years for Doctor Who. Have I ever been an anti-fan of something? Oh, probably. Um, it's interesting. I've been kind of reconnecting with some high school friends and acquaintances over the last few months. And... I have been reminded of just how obsessed uh, certain students uh, were of New Kids on the Block. So I was probably an anti-fan of New Kids on the Block, just like a begrudging, these people suck. As I've gotten older, I think I touched on this in my conversation with Lisa Funnel uh, way back in episode one. As I've gotten older, I've, I've kind of come to appreciate that just because I don't like something doesn't mean someone else can't like it. I've certainly felt that way about the Star Wars films. I've actually kind of softened a little bit on on, on Star Wars, not in terms of like my, my fandom. I, I still hold that really close and dear. It just doesn't mean as much to me as it used to. That's kind of how I think of it. And when I when I saw one of the last movies with my niece and I just saw her face light up, I realized it's okay for her to really like this and me not you know feel strongly about it anymore. Uh, that's okay. So... I, I can't think of anything that I'm a strong anti-fan of right now, but probably New Kids on the Block when I was in high school. What is the geekiest thing you own, Michael? Oh, I have lots of geeky things. My office has in it right now um, an Indiana Jones Mr. Potato Head doll still in the in the original boxing uh, that plays the Indiana Jones theme when you push its hat. I have a beautiful Art Deco Metropolis poster. Both of those were gifts from students after they graduated as, a, as thank you gifts. I have a, um, a large Walter White uh, action figure. I have Funko Pop Twin Peaks figures in there as well. At home, I have a, a, an autographed Schools Out Degrassi poster autographed by Pat Mastriani and Stacey Mystician, who played Joey and Caitlin. I have lots of geeky things. What are some things you've become a fan of recently? One that, that has developed over the last little while that's become an interesting side project for me has been the work of Victor Emmanuel Russo, local filmmaker, documentary filmmaker Andrew Wall, um, kind of turned me on to him a little while ago and Andrew made a, a, a documentary on it's called the science fiction makers and it's looking at Russo, C.S. Lewis and Madeline Langle and I actually got interviewed for that uh, so I've been doing I've been doing some work on the science fiction writings of Victor Emmanuel Russo he has dozens of pseudonyms that he's writing under, uh, and he writes a wide variety of genres. Science fiction is just one of them. But he writes this early science fiction novel that's a response to an H.G. Wells story called The Messiah in the Cylinder, which kind of looks at um, future uh, through time travel through cryogenics. So, you know, characters get frozen and wake up in the future. Uh, and it's, it's just a really interesting story that. You know, unfortunately, when he went to publish it, people had kind of lost their appetite for that 
type of story. It was written and ready to go in uh, you know, the first stages of the, of the First World War. So people weren't actually all that excited about imagining what the future looked like when you know, it looked pretty bleak. Um, but that's something I've become quite interested in the last little while. And uh, the documentary uh, might actually be out by the time this this episode drops. So it's called The Fantasy Makers. It's supposed to be playing on Super Channel. And I'm, I'm a talking head in it. Thank you for joining me on Geek 4. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Geek4Pod or me on Twitter at MWBoyce. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the subscribe button and consider leaving a five-star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for.